create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nation's. Well, it's an honor and delight to have with us Dr. Derwin Gray. He is the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped community in Indian land, South Carolina, a beautiful area in our country, uh, just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. After graduating from BYU, he played professional football in the NFL for five years with the Indianapolis Colts and Carolina Panthers. Uh, He has written many wonderful books, but his latest is The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. And can you think of a more relevant topic and book during these times of uncertainty and as we work through this crisis together? Derwin, from a young age, you had the drive to succeed and to find happiness. And when you made it to the NFL, you continued searching only to discover that that happiness eluded you. Tell us your story. Yeah, so uh, I I grew up uh, in San Antonio, Texas, uh, an area called the West Side. And uh, my mom was 16 when she was pregnant with me. My dad was 18. So it was babies having babies and uh, both of them struggled with various issues. And so my grandmother primarily raised me, my grandfather provided for me. And so growing up the way I did, I had normalized dysfunction. Uh, But about age 13, I looked around and said, um, I want something more than this. I I literally want to get out of here. And so for me, football, I always loved football, always loved the game. But at 13, I recognized that it was actually more than a game, that it was a vehicle to get me to college and to get me onto a path of what I thought, quote unquote, would be the good life. Um, We didn't attend church. Uh, We didn't really pray together. I think I went to a church service maybe twice growing up. And so for me, football was my God. And a God is anything that gives you mission identity and purpose and affirmation and football did that for me but of course it was very much contingent upon my performance so eventually um, i get a football scholarship to brigham young university which is a predominantly overwhelmingly uh white mormon school and so that was a culture shock but it was a great time i got a world-class education had a great career there in the second semester of my freshman year, January 15th, 1989. Um, I met my wife, Vicki. So we've been together for 30 years and we've been married 28 years on May 23rd. And so, yeah, football was going great. And she was a high achiever. I was a high achiever. Um, my dream came true. I got drafted into the National Football League. And by my third year in the NFL, It was like I had this existential crisis is I looked around and thought there's got to be more Uh, because I had the fame, the career, the money, the girl, all the stuff that I thought was going to make me, quote unquote, happy. And there are moments of fleeting happiness, but I knew that there was something more. And my third year in the NFL, it was like 
despite everything I have and I've accomplished, I can't forgive certain people who hurt me in my past, like my dad. Um, I can't forgive myself for things that I've done. I can't love my wife the way she deserves to be loved because I didn't even know what love was, nor did I really truly love myself in the sense of understanding God's love for oneself. And I always live with this uh, sense of fear in that when I'm done with football, who would I be? Because I was okay in school and I was also a compulsive stutterer. So, you know, those things really begin to make me think, but I had a teammate with the Colts. His nickname was Steve Grant, but his, uh, or his real name was Steve Grant, but his nickname was the Naked Preacher because literally after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist and ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm like, bro, do you know you're half naked? I mean, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was strange. I was unchurched. I didn't want to know Jesus nor him. I just wanted to play football. But over a five-year process, he and I developed a relationship. And a couple of things that I noticed is that whenever my teammates needed advice, they went to him. Whenever there was something going on in the city where you're helping at-risk kids or you're given to charity, like he was always there. And so his words and his message matched. And on August 2nd, 1997, it was my fifth year in the NFL, we're at training camp at a place called Anderson College in Anderson, Indiana. And right after lunch, I walked back to my dorm room, picked up the phone and I told my wife, I want to be more committed to you and I want to be committed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I literally felt a bodily change and reaction when I was born again. Like I literally felt God's love. I, 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 I cried for three days just at the thought of there was somebody who knew my worst moments and loved me. There was someone who knew my failures, my sins, my brokenness and loved me. And then the other side of it was there was someone that I did not have to prove myself to to earn their love. Mm. And uh, I fell in love with Jesus and that love has been growing every day since. Mm. Powerful. Absolutely powerful. Before we talk about your book and how that relates to really finding happiness in the midst of this crisis, uh, I got to ask, I'm a big football fan. I grew up in the Bay Area, you know, 49ers and Raiders. Uh, You're a defensive back which I mentioned to you before the show, defensive backs are probably the greatest athletes on the planet because you got to run every direction just as fast as the wide receiver who's uh, running forward. Uh, Who was the most challenging wide receiver you had to face? Well, you already know the answer to that. You're just, you're just setting it up for your audience. Like, you know, the answer to it, go ahead and answer (laughs) Jerry Rice. Go ahead and answer. Of course, Jerry Rice. I mean, is there any other answer? I mean, Jerry Rice is not just the greatest receiver of all time. He are, He's arguably the greatest player of all time. Derwin, you and I are friends for life. I'm just trying to tell the truth. <laughs> you know, I uh, actually served on the NFL Courage Awards board. And so I okay. had a great time asking uh, different players, what was their biggest challenge? And and uh, talking with different defensive backs like Deion Sanders and others and uh, how much they hated 
when you would have like a, uh, you know, a huge running back that would break through the line and they're at full speed and you had to stop them. Terrible. It's awful, but you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Before you tell me that we're friends for life, you also need to know I intercepted Steve Young to set up the go-ahead field goal to beat the 49ers in 1995. Derwin, we were doing so good. Yeah, well, I I had to tell. I just want to tell the truth, and so I didn't want to leave that part out. You know? uh, that's awesome. That is great. Yeah, pretty good quarterback, pretty good runner too. And uh, yeah, but I'm sure that amazing. didn't make uh, you a lot of fans at BYU. Well, I think the BYU fans were just had just glad to see two BYU guys playing and competing, and uh, you know that was that was my. That was my one time I played Steve Young, and I played a major role in beating him. So uh, that's, I'm happy about that. Uh, that's fun. What What would it be like though? You have an Adrian Peterson. He breaks through the line. He's at full speed, and you've got to tackle him. I mean, is that that's, like they terrible. say? That's like a career decision, not just a play decision, but a career decision. <laughs> yeah, you know when when you're playing. You know, that was never really my mentality. You know, you just you just try to do the best that you can. And because it's professional football, you win some, you lose some. And the goal is to try to win more than you lose. Well, a lot of people feel like they're losing a lot right now. You know, loss of freedom. We know that 30 million people at least have lost their jobs. They've lost, you know, connection as far as just warmth and touch with many of their families. And in the midst of all of this, uh, Derwin, how do they find happiness? I know you, you've written this great book on that subject called The Good Life, what Jesus teaches about finding true happiness. How can people find true happiness right now in the midst of losing, in their minds, everything? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. The first thing that I would do is before I offered advice, I would offer uh, my condolences to those who've lost loved ones. Um, in what seven weeks, eighty thousand Americans have died. Yeah, I mean that's seven weeks. Incredible, eighty thousand. Um, and you've seen people get incredibly ill. Um, and yeah, I mean so many people have lost their jobs, and it's difficult. One of the blessings in all of this is it seems like what COVID has exposed is a lot of our idols. And let me explain. It's almost like we as Americans and American Christians, it's kind of like we have built our lives on sandcastles and this big wave called COVID came on the beach and just knocked our sandcastles down. And there are idols there. And Jesus is saying, your job is not to make is not meant to make you happy. Your finances, the economy, there's so many things externally that we look to to make us happy. And now that all of that has been obliterated, I see a new hunger and a freshness for people to say, well, what does it mean to be happy? What, what does it mean to have the good life? And one of the beautiful things is Jesus in the Beatitudes, and this is what my book is based on, the Beatitudes is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, is he starts listing eight characteristics of a blessed or happy life. You know, he starts with blessed 
are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes down seven other attributes. Well, that word blessed is a unique word. It's the Greek word makaros, and it literally means happy. Mm. And so Jesus is inviting us to be happy, but it's not the happiness that most Christians and most non-Christians think about happiness. The happiness that Jesus offers is not predicated upon external circumstances. The happiness that Jesus is inviting us to is not about good things perpetually happening to us. It's actually about God making us good. It's actually, when you look at the Beatitudes, the blessed life, the happy life, the good life, these characteristics are actually like Jesus looking in the mirror and you see his reflection. And Jesus in his humanity is the prototype of what we were created to be. And Jesus is saying, when you allow me and you enter into my story, the happiness that I'm giving you is a happiness that actually shapes you to become like me. So therefore, your happiness is not contingent upon external realities, but by the internal, eternal God of grace and love who is perpetually working on us to become someone. So the way I like to say it is this, happiness is about becoming who you were created to be. Mm, that is great. Wow. I mean, that, talking about inspiration and can you give us some practical guidelines? For example, what do you do throughout the day uh, to make, you know, what you've just discussed, uh, you know, as I, as being an athlete, I mean, practice makes yeah. permanent. How can this become a, a, really a discipline in our everyday lives? Yeah, yeah. You know, so be, be, because I do have an athletic background, one of the things that I do at the end of every chapter is I have a section that says marinate on this. Mm. And it's a prayer that I wrote that people can daily pray. And then I have six questions to work through and then six ideas to remember. And then at the end of the book, I have something called the happiness manifesto where you sign your name and daily you just read this affirmation over yourself because the scene of the crime is your mind. And we have to wallpaper our mind with God's truths and his affirmation. And then I have a 30 day challenge where for 30 days, you read Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, slowly. You use an ancient spiritual discipline called licta divina, and it's a Latin word for sacred reading, meaning you're reading it slow. It's like a it's like a good meal, you know? Like, I love steak and lobster with butter sauce and crab meat on top. Oh, I'm getting hungry. And so I don't want to eat that fast. I want to eat that slow. So what I tried to do is the way I wrote the book is like you're sitting down at the seat at the feet of Jesus having a conversation and listening to him on his own terms in such a way that he invites you into his story and the beauty is when we lose our lives in Christ that's when we truly discover our lives and we begin to realize that happiness is not just about fleeting feelings of joy but the way I describe happiness in the book is this, this way. Happiness is a quiet confidence of knowing that everything's going to be okay because, because my Redeemer lives, because his redemptive purposes stand, and that I will stand with him because he defeated the sin and the grave. That happiness is about Godfidence, not confidence, Godfidence. Mm, that is great. 
Well, the most important day is not the day when we discover a vaccine, even though obviously that will be uh, a great day. Uh, but the most important day is today. And what you've shared is something that we can practice immediately. Derwin, before we close, would you mind praying for our listeners? I would be honored to pray for your listeners. Let's pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that they would hear the sweet whisper of King Jesus saying, I love you. I want you. Uh, Come into my story. Lose your life in me so that you can find your life. Come as you are. Let my grace take you so that you can become the person you were created to be. And Lord, I pray that uh, the Father's presence and his mercy and his power and his provision will touch the heart of every single person and that any fear or anxiety they feel would actually push them closer to the Father's heartbeat, that they would rest in his strong arms of grace and mercy and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you need to pick up uh, Dr. Gray's newest book, The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. And what a time uh, to read and apply these truths. Derwin, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I wish you all the best. God bless. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus. Jesus.